0: The entirety of God's plan and Christ's atonement hinges on one unfathomable truth that he lives not lived, and not just for those whom he visited after his resurrection but to all today he died in agony was resurrected in glory and right now at this very moment there is a living savior a savior of the 90 and 9 of the woman caught in adultery of those who struggle to forsake their riches and follow Him. There is a Redeemer of flesh and bone who knows you better than anyone. And because of that, you and I can find our strength and deliverance through Him. I invite you to join us in our study today and encourage each of us to request divine understanding that the Spirit may teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up.
1: I first gained the witness of Jesus Christ um, right before baptism. I got a testimony of Jesus Christ when I was baptized, and then I got confirmed, and that has really helped my testimony of Jesus Christ. I remember the missionaries came over and were teaching the family about prayer, and I remember the first time, like, feeling an answer to a prayer, and how that's when I knew, like, he lived, and it all made sense, and the gospel was true.
2: I've gained personal witnesses throughout my whole life. Um, just just different um, instances, different testimony-building experiences that I've had about prayer and fasting have like really
1: reinforced my witness of Christ.
2: For me, um, it wasn't a one-time moment of aha and gaining a witness of Jesus Christ. It's really been. Over my lifetime and feeling the little moments, um, I really feel the Spirit through music. And so if I think back like into my younger years, a lot of those moments that really testified of Christ to me were through singing, and um, in primary even, and singing those primary simple primary songs, but that taught those simple truths of Christ.
0: Welcome, everybody. My name is Ben Lomu, and I am your host. Our gospel scholar for today is Patrick Mason. Patrick is an author and a professor of religious studies and history at Utah State University. Patrick, welcome.
3: Thanks, happy Easter, Ben.
0: (laughs) Happy Easter, you too. Where's my gift basket?
3: Sorry, man. (laughs) (laughs) Easter Bunny's bringing it. Okay, Okay. I'll be waiting anxiously.
0: (laughs) And seated next to Patrick, we have our special guest, Carol Steppen. Carol is originally from Ohio and was the first in her family to graduate from college. She is an academic advisor at BYU. She has five children and four grandchildren. Carol, so happy to have you here today. I'm glad to be here. And we're also joined by our studio audience. Thank you all for being here today. And to each of you at home, we are so happy to have you joining us for today's special Easter discussion. Please follow along and share your thoughts with us on any of our social media platforms. Today, we've selected two topics to discuss that relate to various Easter-themed passages found in the New Testament. These topics and discussions support and build upon the Come Follow Me resource, developed and published by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The two topics we're going to discuss are, first, many witnesses testify of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and second, Jesus Christ delivers, strengthens, and comforts me— After exploring these two topics with our panel and studio audience, we'll dive deeper with Patrick and Carol in the footnotes portion of the show. So Patrick, as we jump into this first topic, many witnesses testify of the resurrection of Christ. Can you give us just a little background historically uh, of what we're going to be talking about today as it pertains to this first topic?
3: Yeah, I mean, we... You know, we could talk a lot about the, uh, the Holy Week, the last mm. week of Jesus's life. You know, we've spent the last few episodes doing that. So much to talk about. But, but I want to step back even a little bit further than that and to think about, I mean, the, the predicament of every human on this planet, which is that we're all going to die. Mm. Sorry, I got news for you. We are terrified at the prospect of death. Whether it's, you know, thinking about our own death, whether it's thinking about the the death of loved ones, the people that we've lost who are close to us, death touches every single one of us. It is the truly universal experience. And so this is why Easter is so important, right? This is why Easter is the greatest day on the calendar. This is why the day that Jesus rose from the grave is the most important day in the history of humanity, period. So when we take a step back, I think we, we can appreciate even more just how important it is that, in fact, Jesus is risen.
0: You know, for the audience and those watching, um, I taught Carol's son when he was a seminary student of mine years ago. And uh, one of the things that I immediately connected uh, with her son was that when your son was 11, when I was 11, uh, I lost my father and you lost your husband. And uh, that is something that immediately uh, I was able to relate to on some of the things that he was going through, especially at such a young age. And uh, and that's got to be something that I'm sure as a mother, you, you're you raising these kids now alone. Would you mind just kind of telling us a little bit about how through that process of losing your husband, uh, how did that strengthen your testimony of the resurrection?
2: Yes. Um, yeah, my husband developed cancer and he was sick for just six months. But during those six months, we tried all the medical things that you can do to get over cancer. And I just felt like everything that we tried didn't work. The doctors were very hopeful. He was 39 years old. He was healthy. Mm-hmm. He was he was in good health before the cancer. So they were hopeful. And besides medicine, there were all the prayers and all the fasting and all the other things that we did. To try to get a miracle, but that was not in the cards for us. It was definitely um, Heavenly Father's will that, that He passed and that He passed when He did. My children were ages 5 through 16, so they were fairly young, mm. and it was hard to see how this was part of the plan mm. because it seems like it's never a convenient time to die And how is that ever part of what we anticipated would happen?
0: And that leads to this discussion, Patrick, that we're talking about uh, the resurrection. Why is it that throughout history, we fear death, yet, you know, through resurrection, we have this message that Jesus is trying to bring uh, to the entire world?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the the fear is real, right? I mean, what comes next? Is this the end of everything? Is this the end of not only my life but my relationships all the people that i love all the things that i care about so it is it is scary but this you know the 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 testimony the witness that we have as christians is that christ has overcome death it is the central claim of christianity when we call ourselves christians that is the core of what we mean and i love uh, in in 1 corinthians chapter 15 the whole chapter is about the resurrection, but this is the way that the apostle Paul closes that beautiful chapter. He says in verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of the sin is law, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? That's the proclamation of every Christian is that because Jesus rose from the grave, we will too.
0: So, so Carol, how have you used your experience to then be a witness and perhaps comfort those that have had similar experiences like yours?
2: Right. Well, it brings empathy, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you spoke to the fact that you could empathize with my son, Mm -hmm. Ben, who um, was in your class, and it created a bond, and you could understand him a little more, and he could understand you. He still feels connected to you. and. I just think that sometimes I get asked to speak to groups or speak in state conference or whatever because I have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. When you're in the throes of it and you're experiencing the the mortalness of, of the grief and the pain, it's hard to think that there is a next step, mm-hmm. that there is going to be, happiness and joy again, then being able to say that I have hope that the gospel is true and I have hope that eternal families are real. There is something to hope for. Mm -hmm. There is a next chapter that we can look forward to. And it's okay to move forward in life and experience happiness and joy again, even though it doesn't feel like you'll ever have that.
0: Well, thank you for sharing uh, those thoughts with us. I would love to hear some thoughts from the audience on how have you been able to be a witness of Christ and his resurrection? Jair.
1: Yes, Uh, personally for me, um, I have been able to um, share the goodness of the gospel with others and more importantly, living by his example um, serving those like he served before um, loving those around us and always being of service to those that we come across
0: and how do you feel that your example of service helps others find hope in jesus christ
1: it's one of the quickest ways i feel the holy ghost okay and by doing so i hope that i can share that with others, provide that opportunity that those can be, um, their lives can be a little bit better to where they can come closer to Christ.
0: You know, I I love how Jair talked about, you know, feeling the Holy Ghost. And because to be a witness of Christ, um, especially today, you know, we are walking by faith. Mm -hmm. So how do we gain that testimony of Christ without actually seeing?
3: You know, I I think we see a great example of this, of the women who who went to the tomb and that they hoped, Mm -hmm. right? Oftentimes faith, begins with hope, with 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 belief. It, the, the, that's the seed that it begins with. But I also love the story in Luke chapter 24 of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Mm-hmm. And um, we won't read the whole story here, but but these are, this is after Jesus had been crucified. And these two disciples, two of his followers, were walking along the road. They were talking about what had happened. And this, this other guy joins them. He says, hey, can I walk <laughs> with you a little while? They're like, sure. And he's like, basically like, what's going on? They're like, haven't you heard? <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, it's kind of big news. And they say, you know, Jesus has been crucified and he's been buried. I mean, they're 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 sad. I mean, they're mm-hmm. reflecting on this, they're talking about this, but but they're deeply sad. And then Jesus talks to them and he kind of opens up the scriptures to them and, and points to to some of the scriptures. If we go to verse 29 of Luke chapter 24. They've been talking along the way, and and then they they constrain him. They they say, "Abide with us." This is where they, the hymn, "Abide with us to his My eventide," right? Yeah. <laughs> he says, "It's toward evening; the day is far spent." So he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke and gave to them. That should remind us of the sacrament, mm-hmm. right? And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Notice they didn't say, uh, oh, we really should have recognized him or something like that. They said, we felt something right? I think that's how we gain our testimony of Jesus. We gain it fundamentally through the witness of the Spirit. We do that from reading the scriptures. We do that from from taking the sacrament, the emblems of mm-hmm. his death and, and his resurrection. And so these are the tools that he's given us to witness on a regular basis that he is resurrected.
2: And Patrick, it wasn't until they actually knew that it was him that they were like, oh yeah, we did feel something And I think that it's like that when we feel the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Because if you don't reflect upon it, then are we truly um, learning and growing all that we can? I think that reflection is a huge part of learning and um, progressing in the gospel.
3: Yeah, and then I love what they do next. It says, then they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 gathered and said, the Lord is risen, right? So so they went back and witnessed to other people, right? And, and, And gave their testimony to other people. That's why we come together in testimony meeting to share that witness with other people so that all of our fires burn bright together.
0: And Joseph Smith talks about specifically what really matters with that testimony when he said, the fundamental principles of our religion are the testimony of the apostles and prophets concerning Jesus Christ, that he died, was buried, and rose again the third day, and ascended into heaven. And all of the things which pertain to our religion are only appendages to it. And I love, Patrick, how you, you really set that up in the beginning, that this is what matters at the heart of our religion, the, the knowledge that, that Christ is, has risen, that he lives, and that through that, we can gain that hope to continue when things don't always work out as we would want, and that life continues after death. Thank you both for sharing your thoughts and insights uh, about the witnesses that testified of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And to our audience, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us as well. And for you at home, which witnesses of Christ's resurrection have resonated the most with you personally? Share with us on Facebook and Instagram.
4: Christ has been there for me when I have struggled or like gotten down on myself. Like he's my number one supporter and he's my rock. And um, he suffered and died for us. And through the atonement, um, I can be made whole again.
1: I feel comforted by Christ um, through his atonement by um, just having the knowledge that he's endured everything that I've gone through and that I will ever go through very comforting to know that I would always have Him to rely for comfort.
2: Jesus Christ has been able to comfort me through a lot of hard trials, and He um, really has reminded me that I am loved. Regardless of uh, His will and what miracles He blesses me with, I get lots of little uh, tender mercies throughout my life that just kind of remind me that He's aware of me and what my needs are. If I can see the hand of the Lord in my life uh, through the little, the little things and the little blessings.
0: The second topic we are going to discuss today is Jesus Christ delivers, strengthens, and comforts me. Patrick, what can you tell us about this specific topic as we jump back into our discussion?
3: Yeah, and this is the central claim of the gospel, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, this is the reason why we are Christians is because we claim, we believe, we have hope, that, that Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection and and his atonement that that he can do all these things for us that he can deliver us that he can strengthen us that he can comfort us and you know when we talk about the deliverance that he brings us we typically think about it in, in a couple different ways so we've been talking about the way that we can overcome physical death through Jesus's resurrection but also we can overcome spiritual death so if we think about the physical death as the death of the body we also can think about spiritual death as the death of our spirit or the way that that our spirits suffer because of sin, the way that we're separated from God. And so Jesus delivers us from both of those, both through his resurrection, but also his atonement provides the way for us to come back to God and be reunited with God.
0: So we're gonna focus on these uh, three specific topics of deliverance, strengthening, and comfort. And uh, Carol, I'm glad that uh, Patrick brought up the, the two different types of deliverance. What are some things that you've learned about the difference, uh, the importance of not only being delivered uh, physically, but the spiritual deliverance that Christ offers.
2: Yeah, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about how when my husband was going through his illness, he was going to be dying physically. But I felt like for me, the trial was more of a spiritual Hmm. challenge. And that just as he had to rely on the atonement for the physical ailment and the the healing and the resurrection i needed to rely on the atonement for more spiritual things mm-hmm. and for the unfairness that was happening in our lives both through the illness and then after the death i didn't want to die spiritually uh-huh. just because he died physically so i i was dealing with the, the other type of of death that um, I just didn't wanna go there.
3: Yeah, and, and that's that's such a good point. I mean, we've talked about how physical death is universal, mm-hmm. but so is spiritual death, right? Mm-hmm. All of us, just because we're human, we're all gonna make mistakes, we're all gonna sin, we're all gonna fall short of the glory of God. And so we need Jesus Christ for both kinds of deliverance.
0: And Alma talks about this uh, in chapter 36. Do you mind if we go there, Patrick, yeah, and, sure. and look at what Alma's teaching us?
3: Yeah, so this is the prophet Alma who had not always been uh, the most faithful guy in the world mm-hmm. he, he'd actually fought against the church but he had seen a vision of Jesus Christ and he had been born again uh he had experienced this kind of redemption uh and it's just as beautiful this this is him talking to his son about this experience and and the the pains that his soul was racked with as he wrestled with this but also the joy of the redemption and and I love verse 18 he says he cried out within his heart oh Jesus thou son of God have mercy Mercy on me, who am in the gall of bitterness, and am encircled about by the everlasting chains of death. And now, behold, when I thought this I could remember not my pains no more. Yea, I was harrowed up by the memory of my sins no more, and oh what joy and what marvelous light I did behold. Yea, my soul was filled with joy as exceeding as was my pain. That's the deliverance, mm-hmm. right? To be delivered from the sin, from from the from being harrowed up uh, from it, and and to feel the joy of redemption.
0: You know what's what's interesting is as we talk about the hope of a physical resurrection and how that's going to take some time. We have to wait for that. Whereas Alma is expressing we can we can have this deliverance uh, now. I would love to hear from the audience. How does it make you feel knowing that Christ
4: can deliver us from spiritual death? Cindy. I'm, I'm rejoiceful because the experiences that we all have, as I have had, unfortunately, um, in divorce, and it it crushed my life. I felt like it was a death because it was not in the plan. But that enabled me to go on a mission, go to the temple. In those days, you couldn't go to the temple without your spouse and have the gospel in my life fully. And that comfort that I was given by Christ was the most touching, most tangible thing that I feel that I could ever have, is to know that he delivered me and he protected me.
0: And Cindy, when Christ was speaking with his apostles before he left, he promised to send them a comforter. You spoke of feeling that comfort. What does that
4: feel like to you? It was a tangible blanket coming over me. And I was alone in my grief, but I wasn't after I felt that. And what
0: a beautiful message as we talk about Easter, the joy of the resurrection, that we're not just talking about a hope in something is to, to come later on. We're talking about now this is real in the moment you can feel that comfort and that peace, that blanket as we, you know, struggle, whether it's through some sort of trial or adversity or through our sins, we can be forgiven and be delivered.
3: Yeah, I love what Christ said in verse ten of John ten, where he says, I am come that they might have life and they, they might have it more abundantly. He's talking about right now, right now, right? So yes, in the next life. but he's talking about right now, you can have a new life. and you know people experience all kinds of of little deaths, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of of, of of traumas and things, whether it be you know, through divorce, through addiction, through, uh, you know, so sicknesses and disability. I mean, just a million things that can happen in this life that that can feel like we're dying a little bit or a lot every every day. And Jesus promises life. He, d- he doesn't always take it away immediately, mm-hmm. right? But in Christ, in that in that hope that we have in Christ, we can find the comfort and strength that we need to to get through and get to the next day and have not just existence but an abundant
0: life. Uh, i'd like to move on to the the strengthening us what are some things that you have learned carol as you have relied and depended on that strength that comes through christ
2: yeah thanks when my husband died it turned my whole world upside Mm -hmm. down and i felt like i couldn't function and i was thinking about how i wanted to be angry but I didn't know who to be angry at. I felt like I couldn't be angry at Heavenly Father. I could learn to have joy. Men are that they might have joy, or I could go into despair. I really felt like I was relying on the testimony of the gospel that I had built up for many, many years. And I think of the parable of the 10 virgins that Christ taught during the last week Of his life. And I was looking at that parable in a different way now because here I was needing to rely on the oil that I had in my vessel to prepare myself and my children. I wasn't adding oil to my lamp at that time. I didn't have the ability to add the oil to my lamp, but I definitely was using the reserves that I had built up for many years.
0: You know, and Patrick, I think we see, there's a lot of examples in the scriptures that perhaps we can look at where the Savior does give strength to those that are that are suffering. You know, one example that came to my mind is the woman taken in adultery mm-hmm. in this moment of weakness and vulnerability to give her and provide her that strength to, to stand up and to, to continue on with her life or even at the death of Lazarus you know the comfort, the strength that he that he gives. Can you think of any other examples that we can learn from of how the Savior provides strength in those moments that we suffer or or are feeling a little a little less than?
3: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Lazarus. I just love that that moment where he spends time with with Mary and Martha, and he's with them in their grief, and 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 he does the same thing all around him. Where mm-hmm. wherever Christ goes, there's life and there's healing, and. That is the thing is that ours is a God of life. Uh, We live in a world full of death and full of pain and full of of sorrow, but God is a God of life. He brings life wherever he comes. And and this is the invitation that Jesus gives to to each one of us.
0: You know, and I love how, you know, we get this teaching in, in the book of Ether about how sometimes in our weaknesses, as we draw on that strength that comes from Christ, then we can then turn that around In Ether chapter 12, verse 27, it reads, And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness, that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. And, And we can see this example a lot of times in the scriptures where, you know, for example, even with the Samaritan woman. You know, she's in such a low state and then the strength the life, you know, you have that little comparison with the water that, that Christ brings, man, she runs and goes and starts sharing and, and 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 telling people about this experience that she had. And so as we talk about our third, moving on to the third aspect of comforting, I feel like the comforting happens while you're in it, you're going through it and sometimes you just need that that blanket, to get to the deliverance, to get to the strengthening? What can we learn about some of the experiences of Christ and how he can comfort us during our some of our trials?
3: You know, one of my favorite scriptures about this comes from the Book of Mormon in Alma chapter 7, where he talks about the atonement and, and what Jesus Christ did for us. Uh, this comes from Alma chapter 7, verses 11 and 12. It says, And he shall go forth suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind. And this, that the word might be fulfilled, which saith he will take upon him the pains and the sicknesses of his people. And he will take upon him death, that he may loose the bands of death which bind his people. And he will take upon him their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh, that he may know according to the flesh. How to succor his people according to their infirmities. So think about this: this is the God of heaven, the creator of all things, who came down and inhabited a body just like ours. So, of course, yes, he, he took on death and was resurrected, but it says he took on the afflictions and temptations of every kind. Mm-hmm. That's all of them, whatever afflictions you've got. And not just death, but the sicknesses, the infirmities, the cancers. The, the heart attacks, right? The uh, all of those kinds of things, the emotional trauma, the, the the mental and emotional illnesses and infirmities that that we have, and he does all of this to help us, so that he can be with us. To succor means to be with us, to 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 comfort us in the times when we need him most.
0: Eller Holland has a beautiful quote that goes along with what you just said and what you shared from Alma. For his atonement to be infinite and eternal, he had to feel what it was like to die, not only physically, but spiritually, to sense what it was like to have the divine spirit withdraw, leaving one feeling totally, abjectly, hopelessly alone. But Jesus held on. He pressed on. The goodness in him allowed faith to triumph, even in a state of complete anguish. The trust he lived by told him in spite of his feelings that divine compassion is never absent, that God is always faithful, that he never flees nor fails us. And what a beautiful message to know that through the atonement, no matter what we experience in life, we can have that strength, we can have that deliverance, we can have the comfort that comes through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Thank you both for sharing your thoughts and experiences I look forward to discussing this further, you know, in the footnotes portion of the show, but it's been wonderful to, to feel of your goodness and of your spirit as you share with us today. And for the audience, thanks again for being here with us and for sharing of, of your testimonies and of your spirit as well. And for those at home, we still have so much to cover from these Easter-related passages and footnotes. Stay with us.
3: My favorite part of the episode today was being able to hear the experiences of our guest, and how we can overcome both
2: physical and spiritual death. There's a lot of people that have gone through hard things, and I think it's, it's good to he- hear that we're not the only ones that go through hard things, but that we all have that central focus of Christ in our lives, and He's the one that does redeem us, who does uplift us, who does bring us peace in those hard moments.
0: Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. We've dismissed our studio audience and are looking forward to building upon our previous discussions about Christ's resurrection and powers of deliverance with Patrick and Carol. Well, thank you both for the previous discussion. We talked about some really, really good things, and we're going to cover a lot more. But first, if you don't mind, I would love to go back to one of my favorite stories, The Road to Emmaus. Mm. Uh, do you mind, Patrick, if we revisit that? You can yeah. Walk us we only barely things? touched on it. Yeah. yeah.
3: But before, and it's such a such a beautiful story. I think it's just a really tender moment where where Jesus literally walks with with his disciples. Mm-hmm. So this is Luke t- chapter twenty four, and it starts in verse thirteen. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was a, from Jerusalem about three score furlongs, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And I've always wondered, like, I don't, I don't know why. Like, did they have kind of a veil over their eyes or was his resurrected body? I mean, Mary didn't recognize him at first, too. She okay. thought he was the gardener, right? So it, it, I, I don't know, okay. uh, honestly, why some people recognized him and, and others didn't. But they didn't recognize him. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as, as you walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Like, where where have you been? Oh, yeah. man? <laughs> Big news. <laughs> right. And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. So imagine, they said, this mighty prophet. He was, the, he was their rabbi. He was their master. They, 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 and, and they believed he was the Messiah. They believed that he fulfilled all these prophecies, but he was dead. Mm-hmm. Right? And just, I mean, imagine how, how that felt for them. And yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as so as the women had said, but him they saw not. So we have the testimony of the women. They saw the angels. They saw the empty tomb. But they're still like, now we really don't know what's going on, right? Carol, I don't know. Do you want to take it from here? Verse 29.
2: Sure. But they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them and it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them and their eyes were opened, and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us? while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have." And when he had thus spoken, he shewed them his hands and his feet. That's great.
3: I mean, isn't that amazing, right? I mean, just the witness of the two along the road. Then he comes and visits the eleven the, and and others with them, right? So the women were with them, other people were with them, and they became witnesses of these things. Can I
0: can I ask a question or bring yeah. something up that I noticed in verse twenty nine? They constrain him, saying, "Abide with us." At this point, they don't know who he is yet. Yeah, I find that interesting that. They recognized that there was something good in him, even though they didn't know that it was actually Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. And it wasn't until later when they were like, wait, wait, I, do, do you think that was who we think it was? You know what I mean? Just that yeah. idea. So what was it about him and what do we learn from that about being drawn near to those who even have the spirit of Christ or the spirit that he brings?
3: They, they felt of his spirit. They were um, they, they were seeking truth. And I think of the the hymn, uh, "A Poor Wayfaring Man of Grief," mm-hmm. right, where we're in the hungry, in the thirsty, within the person in prison, and and then you know they he takes off the disguise, and, and it was Jesus all along. And I think there's something to that that that, that of course you know Jesus isn't all around us in, in a literal sense, but you're right. I mean, there's so many good people around us, right? That, that I felt drawn to their spirit. I just want to be in their presence. Right. And in fact, that the, there is a little spark of divinity, of course, in in each of us.
0: Yeah, that's cool. One of the topics that we discussed earlier mm-hmm. is those that stood as witnesses of Christ after his his resurrection, and and you spoke beautifully, Patrick, to uh, the women that were first initially yeah. mentioned in there. What else did we learn about? those who are called to become witnesses of Jesus Christ after his resurrection.
3: Yeah, well, we have some examples from each of the gospels Mm -hmm. of of Mary and the other women of the disciples of of these two on the road to Emmaus. But then Paul even expands this even further in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Uh, So let's start in verse three. He says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures, that he was seen of Cephas, this is Peter, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. We we don't have any other record of that. that Paul is the only mention of this. So more than 500 people see him of whom the greater part, he said, remain unto this present, they were still alive at this time. Imagine those hundreds of people who were going out and sharing the story like, I saw the risen Lord, right? After that, he was seen of James and then all the apostles, and then you've seen of me, you know, on the road to Damascus. And so literally hundreds of people saw the risen Lord, and that's just in the New Testament, right? And then because of the restoration, mm-hmm. we know from the Book of Mormon, what is it, 2,000, 2,500 people who are at the temple in Bountiful right. who see Jesus when he comes. They put their hands, you know, in, into the wounds in his hands and in and his feet. I mean, so the witnesses just proliferate over and over.
2: Well, and when he came to the Americas and he went to the temple and he had the children come for yeah, him, yeah. and all the children that he was able to be with— And the fact that he blessed and healed anyone who was infirmed or ailed uh, at the time, too. Because I thought, wouldn't that have been a marvelous time to be alive? He blessed everyone that was in his presence.
0: And the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that it is still a wonderful, marvelous time to live. You know, as we've seen what has come because of these witnesses, both ancient and modern, of the growth and the expansion of of what is now a world, literally a worldwide church. You yeah. know, we are in all corners of the earth preaching and sharing this message, being standing as witnesses. You know, we send, you know, missionaries out all over the world to be those special witnesses and to share this, this message of hope that Jesus Christ offers.
3: And what does that church this the, the restored gospel begin with, it begins with a witness of the risen Lord. Mm-hmm. It begins with Joseph Smith praying and mm-hmm. seeing Jesus Christ along with God, the father. And then that wasn't the only time. So we're not just talking about 2000 years ago. We're talking about Joseph Smith, it, not only in the sacred grove, but also in section 76, of the Doctrine of Covenants. He and Sidney Rigdon had a vision in which they saw Jesus Christ again. I think this is one of the most beautiful witnesses or testimonies of him. Section 76 in verse 22, and now after the many testimonies, hundreds and hundreds of testimonies mm-hmm. which have been given of him, this is the testimony which we give of him, that he lives. For we saw him even on the right hand of God. And we heard the voice bearing record that he is the only begotten of the Father, that by him and through him and of him the worlds are and were created, and the inhabitants thereof are begotten sons and daughters of God. So we have witnesses in modern times. We have witnesses in ancient times. We have a cloud of witnesses, Mm -hmm. like Paul says. And, you know, I've never seen the resurrected Lord but uh, as you know, some people are given that gift, mm-hmm. but it says other people are given the gift of believing, believing on the words yeah. of those who have seen. And, and that's, that's me, you know? So I've, I've had the Holy Spirit witness to me without any question in my mind that Jesus is risen, that, that Jesus is, is Lord, that Jesus is my savior. I haven't seen him with my eyes, mm-hmm. but the Holy Ghost has given me that witness.
0: How long did that take? I, I'm curious to know, as we talk about becoming a witness, in modern times i'd love to hear from both of you and some of the experiences you've had throughout your life for example Kara, when did that start for you when you really start to understand and develop a testimony of jesus christ
2: well i think we all have our conversion stories mm-hmm. right and i f- have specific things that happened when i was about 20 years old my parents had divorced we were mostly inactive um, with our attendance in the church and just having um a desire to get married in the temple and have an eternal family. And I can give you specifics because I remember it very clearly about my conversion. And from that day forward, I just had a different commitment level to the gospel. And looking back on that, I'm so glad that I had that experience because I was able to recognize the Spirit speaking to me and to make covenants. And then with that commitment level, it's built my testimony to the point that when I have a horrible experience, like my husband passing away, I know what it's like to rely on the Lord. God only gives good gifts, right? And so when I think about the fact that my husband is on the other side, and his life is so much better now, and mine isn't. Mm -hmm. But if Heavenly Father doesn't give bad gifts, what are the good gifts that I can find in my situation that I think is a horrible situation, Mm -hmm. but there are blessings. And there are, I've grown leaps and bounds at an exponential rate that I wouldn't have done if I hadn't been challenged to do that.
0: How about you, Patrick? Well, I think
3: it started from the moment I was born. I mean, I I was uh, fortunate to be raised in a family where I learned the gospel from really young. But for me, it goes to to one moment, and I'll never forget it. And I can even feel it now. I was a 19-year-old missionary. I was in the MTC getting ready to go on my mission, and we'd had a fireside one night. And as I was walking back to my room, I said, if I'm going to go out and preach the gospel, I need to really know this stuff for myself. I need to know if I'm going to testify of Jesus Christ. I'd really need a, a, a testimony. And I went back and I um, I kneeled by my by my bed and uh, just prayed and I just stayed in prayer and uh, I had a witness of the Spirit that was as clear as anything I've ever felt in my life, just pure intelligence coming from heaven, that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he is my savior, that he is the Christ. And it is, it's is—it's foundational for me. And so I've had that reconfirmed many times over the years as I read the scriptures, as I serve, as I pray. But that moment is, uh, for, for me, that's just bedrock.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what a beautiful message. What about
3: you? <laughs>
0: Not can get away. I should have <laughs> known. I should have known. I've worked with Patrick too many times to so know. Uh, it was it was a gift. I never yeah. had to question. I, I was born knowing that I had a heavenly father. I was born knowing that Jesus Christ is my redeemer. One you know moment I reflect upon often is is when my father passed. I wore a pink shirt to his funeral because I wanted to share that message of happiness. As an 11-year-old boy, it huh. was a very conscious thing as I wanna wear a pink shirt to death you wanted funeral. it to be
3: bright, not- I did. The, yeah. And, and, yeah.
0: And, and as I reflect on it now, as an adult, as a father, it was a really profound moment that as an innocent little kid, I didn't realize that I was standing as a witness of saying that there is hope in a resurrection. And I've had, like you said, there's those moments that carry you through. I, I wasn't given, you know, uh, the gift uh, to of music or scholarship or so many gifts and talents I see other people have out there um, that I wish I had, but I, I count myself extremely lucky to know that I was I was born with that knowledge. And fortunately, I've been nourished and strengthened by so many wonderful people like my mother who then had to take on raising eight children uh, by herself, you know, like what a hero, you know, I'm sure someone looks at you as a hero. And it's evidenced by, you know, me knowing your son. You know, if your strength was judged by by your children, I can tell you what, you're amazing. If that's all I knew was your son, I know so much about you now because of how he is and what a wonderful person he is. And and that's what it means to be a witness, I think, as, as we look at what the charge now is to go, you know, here's the Savior teaching and he's like, now go spread this, this message of of joy and goodness, yeah. and stand as a go witness. be witnesses. That's right. What what a beautiful message that is. There's a story we did part of the story we didn't touch on um, about Thomas. Mm-hmm. Could you uh, just tell us what is going on with Thomas, and what is the message that we can that we can leave with those that are watching of how to really believe uh, and how exercise that faith in Christ.
3: Yeah. So, I, I've thought a lot about Thomas. Okay. Uh, and I think sometimes Thomas gets a little bit of a hard, not you know, it's like yeah. doubting Thomas. <laughs> right. Because
0: right? we would never
2: doubt. No, never. no, never. never.
3: never. Uh, so, <laughs> so, I wrote a short little thing that just kind of reflects on him. And because I think you're right, uh, most of us have not seen the risen Lord, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of people have now the spiritual witness. So, so actually, maybe most of us are more like Thomas yeah. than we think. So, so I wrote this. And uh, His very name has come to be associated with faithlessness and doubt. The story is familiar, but worth retelling. Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Thomas had every reason to doubt and to leave. His professed Messiah was executed as an enemy of the state. His fellow disciples had spent the previous days quibbling over who would get the chief seats in the kingdom of heaven and then had disappeared into thin air when their master was taken. The vaunted kingdom of God consisted of a few hundred people max, and now even that number seemed laughable. But had Thomas set off on his own on Good Friday? When things looked so bleak, and Jesus' broken and bloodied body was being interred in the cold, hopeless tomb, had he separated himself from the company of his fellow apostles, most of whom were also more full of doubt than belief in those days, then he would have never witnessed the miraculous manifestation of the risen Christ. In the moment of his greatest crisis, when he had absolutely no reason to believe and even less to stay, when it looked like everything he had lived and sacrificed for over the past 3 years was a complete sham thomas encountered jesus and he did so in communion with the apostles he came to believe spiritually because he came physically to believe it was the church for all its early faithlessness and imperfections which was thomas's salvation and ultimately the agent of god's grace in his life and in the world I just love Thomas. He stayed. He stuck with the apostles. He had no reason to.
0: Well, I think that uh, you just got yourself a new fan. in (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What beautiful words. Uh, Thank Thank you, you, Patrick, so much for sharing that. Uh, Carol, I would love to hear some of your thoughts as you have gone through these struggles and trials in your life. How has Christ been that comfort, uh, that companion Mm -hmm. to you?
2: You know, it's interesting because when you lose your spouse, you are so used to having a companion that you discuss everything with, right? And it's comforting and you kind of take it for granted. So when my husband passed and I didn't have that companion to discuss things with, I would still talk out loud to him at times, you know, especially at bed when I was going to sleep, I would just kind of give a report on my day. I'd say things. And one night I was really frustrated about something. I'm not sure what it was, mm-hmm. but I thought, okay, I just need to read my scriptures and go to sleep. And I, it's one of those things where I opened up the <laughs> scriptures and started to read, right? And I opened up to Alma 37, 36. Yay, And cry unto God for all thy support. Yea, let all thy doings be unto the Lord. And whithersoever thou goest, let it be in the Lord. Yea, let all thy thoughts be directed unto the Lord. Yea, let the affections of thy heart be placed upon the Lord forever. Counsel with the Lord in all thy doings, and he will direct thee for good. Yea, when thou liest down at night, lie down unto the Lord, that he may watch over you in your sleep. And when thou risest in the morning, let thy heart be full of thanks unto God. And if you do these things, you shall be lifted up at the last day. And I felt like, basically, I was being told, don't bring your complaints to my husband. I need to take my complaints to the Lord because that's who I need to cry unto. That's who I need to turn to. And I should be doing it when, before I lay down at bed at night and when I wake up in the morning and rely on the revelation I'm getting from the Lord. This scripture really meant a lot to me. And it also helped me have a better pattern of prayer. I mean, after my husband passed, it was a rare thing for me to miss scripture study or prayer because I had to have that. I relied on the blessings from the Savior. And so this right here was proof of that, that I just need to turn to Him in prayer and constantly have a prayer in my heart.
0: I love that idea of changing your communication to draw closer to Christ. You know, it, it kind of goes back to a topic we've discussed on the show before about this invitation that Christ offers us to take my yoke upon you, to be yoked side by side, mm-hmm. and, and he'll make our burdens yeah. uh, lighter. What a, yeah. what a beautiful image to think that no matter what we're going through, you know what challenges come our yeah. way, that we have the choice and the option to yoke ourselves yeah. with Christ who can help us with our burdens. Well,
2: and speaking of the yoke, I had an experience before I was married, my husband and I went riding on a tandem bike. And he was a cyclist and I was not. (laughs) And we went on a long ride and we ended by going up a hill. Well, I got tired partway up the hill and I quit (laughs) pedaling. So we got to the top of the hill and my husband stopped the bike and he turned around and he said, what happened? (laughs) I'm like, it was too hard. And so I just quit pedaling. And I realized that marriage is very much like riding a tandem bike. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so, most of my married life, I felt like we were coasting and it was pretty easy. Mm-hmm. And there were times when it's hard enough that one person pedals more than the other, whether it's the husband mm-hmm. or the wife, but mostly you're working in tandem. And so, I thought about that experience after my husband passed and thought, really? I'm still on a tandem bike, but I'm riding by myself. And I don't have a partner. So the only person that can fill that role is the savior. And so he will send angels on my right side and my left side to help buoy me up and to keep me upright. And I can't do it alone.
0: Thanks for sharing that. yeah, Carol, it's been so great to meet with you and to just hear from your story and be strengthened uh, through your experience and testimony of Christ. Thank you both for joining us on this very special Easter episode. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. And for those watching at home, thank you so much for joining us in this discussion from these various New Testament passages. I encourage you to record and act upon any impressions that you've received. For additional study and teaching resources, visit byutv.org slash come follow up. Next week we're discussing revelation, consecration, testimony and more as we explore Matthew 15 through 17 and Mark 7 through 9. Thank you for watching and happy Easter.
4: Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.